I had the chance to uh, go to Mexico this past week, and um, it's just amazing. You know, there's some good things about getting older. There, my, my hip hurts a little bit, but you know, there's some bad things. But there's some really good things about getting older. And one of the things about getting older is that you're able to um, watch the transformation of what God does in different places and people in individual people's lives where you see someone starting out as one person and then years later you're like, wow, look at that's incredible what God has done. Same thing with Mexico in, in Monterey, um, our facility there. And I remember I remember showing up there and uh, we first looked at land to buy that land. And it was just the, it wasn't, the land wasn't, the, the, the scenery wasn't ugly, but the land was ugly. A big old thread factory that we were had, we had to renovate and there were, there were weeds taller than I am. And, and now there's, there's over 50 staff that we had a, the privilege of investing in from like Wednesday to uh, yesterday. We flew home yesterday, got home last night, late last night but had the privilege to invest in their lives. Uh, 90% of the staff there now are, are nationals. They're Mexicans. They're doing an incredible job. And just to interact with them and build relationships, uh, deeper relationships with some and new relationships with others, it was just an incredible, incredible experience. And so uh, it was just one of those things where you step back and say, wow, look what God is doing. Same thing in Nigeria now as we're going to be continuing to move forward there and investing in lives there. We'll be able to look back and say, you know, what, look what God has done, because this is really all about him and, and the investment that we make in people's lives. But it pays off. And it was just a joy to see that happen. So I want to I want to move into our sermon. This is the second part of last week's sermon. All right. We started this last week talking about impressions, different impressions. And in first John chapter four and verse one, it says this, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So last week we started looking at seven steps or seven principles that, will, that would really help us test the spirits or test the impressions that we get. When I say impressions, I mean those thoughts that come into our mind, right? You're, 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 you're either praying or you're just sitting or, you know, you're trying to hear from the Lord or maybe you're not trying to hear from anyone or anything, but all of a sudden a thought comes into your mind. And you say, now, is that from is that? Where is that from? Where is, what is that, where is that coming from? So God has given us some guidelines that will help us test the impressions that we get in our mind, that will help us test the spirits and, and to make sure that what we're hearing is, is coming from the Lord. So that doesn't get us sidetracked. That what we hear in our minds, and there's three, we talked about three, three ways that we get impressions, and there's, there's more, but three ways that we really get impressions. Number one, are, we're talking to ourselves in our own minds, right? Number two, it's God speaking to us. Number three, it's Satan speaking to us. The enemy is speaking to us. So the question is, how do we know it is coming from God? So we looked at, we looked at, um, 
three last week and we said if we there, there's total of seven, we looked at three last week, but we said if we apply all seven of these steps, all seven of these principles to our lives, when we're trying to understand the impressions, we're, we're trying to test the spirits. If we apply all seven, then we can have a stronger foundation. We can be more confident that what we're hearing is coming from the Lord and we could act upon those things. The first three that we talked about, we said, okay, does it align with the word of God? That's, that's, that is the number one thing we have to be focused on. Does it align with the word of God? Number two, he said, does it help me become more like Jesus Christ? Does it help me conform to the image of Jesus Christ? What I'm hearing in my mind when I get this impression, does it help me become more like Jesus Christ? And then we said, do mature Christians confirm it? And we go and speak to other Christians. Do, do other believers confirm what we're hearing from the Lord or what we're hearing in our minds? Those are the first three. So we have four more. OK. And number four this morning is, does it align with God's design for you? Does what you're hearing align with how God has designed you? In Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 10, it says, For we are God's handiwork, or we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God will not lead you in your life, okay, in a way that is inconsistent with who he's created or designed you to be. God is not going to lead you in a way that is not consistent with who he's designed you to be. For example, if you can sing, okay, then most likely God wants you to use that for his glory. If you can just, if, if you have been given the gift to sing or to play an instrument, okay, then, then God, that's, that's a good sign that God wants you to use that for his glory. He's going to encourage you and he's going to move you in that direction. If you can carry a hammer, but you can't carry a tune, then most likely, okay, God is going to lead you in the direction of something where you're using your hands or construction, some way that you can, you can use the gifts that he's given you, the talents that he's given you to glorify him. If you are not, if you do not like children, you like your own, there's some of you who are like this, okay? You, you like your own children, okay? You like your own, but not anyone else's. All right. You're, you are not that kid person. It was hard enough raising your own kids. You're not really into kids that much. That's OK. Then most likely God is not going to be speaking to you, giving you impressions. OK, speaking to your heart about being a children's director in a church. That's just logic. That just makes sense. That's the way God works. In Romans chapter 12 and verse six, it says this. We have different gifts. According to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. It's why the Bible says, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they were old, they will not depart from it. In, in Proverbs 22 and verse 6. Train up a child. It says, basically, that means go with your child's natural bent. You know your own children. Some of your children, as soon as they can start using their hands and start really using their minds a little bit, they start grabbing things and taking them apart, right? Or trying to put things together. They just have this mind that has the ability to, to, to work with small pieces or an engineering kind of mind. And you see that early on. Some of your children just can pick up a, an instrument or get on the piano and they don't bang. They really begin to play. 
And what the Bible is saying is train up a child in the way he should go. Train them up in that. Go with their natural bent. That's the way God has designed us. That's what God does for us. He usually uses the gifts and talents and abilities that he's given to us in our lives so that we can glorify him and use those gifts to build up the kingdom of God. You can discover a lot about God's will for your life. I mean, God, people will say, what is, what is God's will for my life? What is God's purpose for my life? You can learn a lot about God's will for your life simply by looking at what you're gifted at doing. What are you gifted at? Where do you excel? Where do you excel? That's why we have the 301 class, our shape class, right? What is your shape for ministry? We want people to understand their shape. Because that's the way God is going to move you and to push you. And sometimes we don't really know our shape. We don't know why we, you know, why God has given us different experiences and, and why we have a certain personality. But that shape class helps you to, to, to navigate through that and helps you to see where God may be leading you. God's voice will usually not conflict with the gifts that he's given you in your life. Let me say that again. God's voice will usually not conflict with the gifts that he has given you in your life. So a good principle, okay, a principle to follow, and this is not an absolute every single time, but a good principle to follow is if you get a sense of leading that is completely contrary, you're sitting there and you're, you feel this leading or someone is, a push, is pushing you and you get a leading that is completely contrary to your gifts, your talents and abilities, then you should probably ignore it. Or you should at least question it. It's one of the ways we know about impressions. Is this right? Is coming from the Lord? If it doesn't align with your gifts and your talents and abilities, you should either probably ignore it. Okay, and if God really wants to get his point across, he'll continue to move forward on it. He'll keep continue to speak to you. All right. But you should either ignore it or at least question it. Okay, number five. Now, you've got to put your feet underneath your chair a little bit because I may step on a, a, little, a couple of toes, but, you know, we'll all live. All right. Does it concern me? All right. Does it concern? When God is speaking, the question is, does it concern me? If it doesn't concern you specifically, if it doesn't concern you specifically, why, why should God talk to you about it? If it doesn't concern you and your life specifically, obviously, and we can all give examples of how God speaks through other people. No problem there. But listen to the principle. And we are trying to hear from God. OK, if it's not talking, if, if it doesn't concern you specifically, why would God talk to you about it? In principle, God's going to speak to you about what God wants to speak to you about. He's going to speak to me with what he wants to speak to me about. I love this verse in John chapter 21, verses 21 and 22. It says, I, I, you can imagine what's not written down, okay? The kind of conversations that Jesus had with Peter. Uh, you know, and Jesus being fully God and fully man, but fully God side, knowing who Peter was going to turn out to be, but just the fully man side and having these conversations with Peter and trying to get him to move in the right direction. In John 21, 21 and 22, when Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. What is that to you? Translation, mind your own business. 
Peter, what are you worried about, brother? But he's basically saying, mind your own business. You focus on what I'm saying to you. You focus on following me. You have enough to worry about in your own life. Enough, you, you, you have enough to worry about when it comes to what I'm saying to you, what I'm expecting of you, what I'm trying to teach you. Mind your own business. Don't worry about him. Worry about yourself. You worry about following me. See, when you listen, you need to focus on what God is saying to you. How is God? What does God want to impress upon me? That's not selfishness. That's just how God, that's how we live. God wants to speak to us. He wants to transform us. He wants to change my personality in some ways, right? There are certain things in my personality that rub people the wrong way, and God wants to speak to me about it. He's not as concerned about speaking to me about your personality. Now, if your personality, and most of you are, you know, just like Mary Poppins, you're, you're practically perfect in every way, okay? But some of you have some issues in your life, and, I, and, and I, I, don't need, I don't need for God to speak to me about those issues. I can just see them permeated from your life. You're really annoying sometimes, all right? I love you, but you're annoying. I can see that, and I can try to, I can try to point that out. But I don't need to be asking God to tell me about everybody else's issues. God will speak to me about my own issues. So here's here's another principle that we can follow. If someone comes to you and asks you about something that's going on in their life, okay, here are some things for you to think about. Here are some principles that we can follow because that happens all the time, right? Happens all the time. People come to us and ask our opinion. But when they ask you their opinion about God speaking to them, here are some things that you want to do. Number one, seek out God's word. What does God's word say? You, uh, we, in Mexico, we were uh, there again this week and, and we had a, a lot of question and answer times. And they would ask these questions and I would pray in my mind as they're asking the question. I would say, Lord, let me speak from your word. Okay, especially if they started asking some some questions that related to to specific areas of their life. Let me speak from your word. So make sure, number one, you try your best to speak from God's word. Next, don't speak in absolutes. Now, obviously, when it comes to God's word, we can speak in absolutes, but don't speak in absolutes. Uh, This is what God is telling you to do. Here's what you should do. I feel God is telling me to tell you to do this. Don't speak in absolutes unless you're quoting scripture. But be really careful. Be really careful when someone asks you to not speak in absolutes. That's important. Unless you're quoting scripture, make sure that you're not saying this is what God is telling you to do. You don't know unless God speaks you verbally what he's telling someone else to do. Okay, so we got to be careful of that. The other thing we need to do is even before any of it, we need to pray. We need to spend time with the Lord in prayer and trying to trying to understand what we could say or how we could say it in such a way that will help that person understand the way God is leading them, help them along their path, encourage them. And that's the next thing. We need to encourage them to seek out other counsel. People come to me and they'll say, uh, well, this is going on or whatever. Um, I feel like God is speaking to me about uh, doing this or doing that or moving here or doing that. And w- what I tell them, and I give them the best advice that I can. I clearly say, I am not God. So from reading God's word and from what you're describing to me and how God is leading you, here are some thoughts that I can give to you. And then I encourage them to seek out other people 
who have wise counsel as well. Go talk to a few other people. Here's a few people that you can talk to. You want to do that. You want to be able to push them in that direction so they get as much counsel as possible. And again, be absolutely clear to them that this is your opinion. This is your opinion. This is not God speaking. This is just your opinion based on the truth that God has placed on you over the years to try to give that to them. So that's important. Here's the, here's the, here is basically the principle of all of this. Listen for yourself, not for others. Don't take up so much time trying to worrying about what, worrying about what God may say to someone else. Usually when God speaks, it is relevant to you and your situation, what you're going through. God, you're his child. Does, do, do you, God is, God is our father, we are his children. If I as a father want to talk to one of my children about something, I talk to that child about that issue. I don't talk to their brother or their sister about them about that issue. I talk to them about that issue. So that's the principle. We need to make sure that we're listening for ourselves, not for others, because um, it's extremely this is why it's extremely, extremely dangerous. It's dangerous to assume, okay, to assume that you can hear God speaking about other people. It is it is dangerous this whole, I, this whole God told me to tell you syndrome has, called, has caused all kinds of pain in people's lives. Okay? All kinds of pain. You've got to be careful when you say, God told me to tell you. I'm, you're like speaking for God to another person. You have to be very, very careful. Like, for example, God told me to tell you that a person has cancer. God told me to tell you that God is going to heal you. Can you pray for people? Yeah. Can you pray for healing? Absolutely. But you better be really careful when you say to someone, God told me to tell you that he's going to heal you. Because in my experience, many times, many, many times, that happens and people don't survive. Okay? The person dies. And then to add insult to injury, the person who comes along and says, God told me to tell you to be healed, instead of taking responsibility and apologizing for what they said, they blame the person who, they blame the person who died. They didn't have enough faith. The reason that happened was they didn't have enough faith. So you're insulting the person's faith who died, and you're insulting all their relatives. You're, you're hurting their feelings. A lot of pain is caused by people. How about here's another one. Um, uh, God told me to tell you that you should either change your career or sell your business. So you're going to get in a position where you're going to tell someone that God told you to tell them to change their career. Doesn't work out. Well, you know, that some, they, something wrong with you. It's not what, what, what I'm telling you. So I'm going to now tell, send you on a different career path or I'm going to encourage because God told me. To tell you that you should sell your business. Hmm. So now you're responsible for a person's entire livelihood. God told me to tell you. God told me to tell you. God told me to tell that you should break up with so-and-so. Or you should marry this person. God spoke to me and told me to tell you that you should marry someone. We need to be careful with how we just throw around God told me to tell you. Why? Because it can cause so much. It can wreak so much havoc in the world. Listen, if God wants... 
If God wants to speak to his child, he will go and speak to his child. We have a, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then you have direct access to God the Father. You can enter into the Holy of Holies. God speaks to his children. If God wants to speak to his child, he can speak to his child. There's, there's multiple ways of God getting across things. And like I said, if there's issues in someone's life, God doesn't need to speak to me and tell me to tell... I, I can see for myself from the word of God that this person's behavior is not in alignment with the word of God. I can take the word of God. God has spoken to me through his word. And so I can say to you, the word of God says this. This is the way you're behaving. Maybe you shouldn't do that. But getting involved in people's lives and telling them whether they quit their jobs and who they should marry and that this is going to happen or that's going to happen. OK, you need to be. I'm just saying, does it ever does it ever does it ever happen? Sure. OK, absolutely. But you need to be extremely careful in that area. Satan has used people throughout history to discredit the gospel when well-meaning Christians go around and say, God told me to tell you. It has affected so many people's lives. God can use, I said this before, God can use other people to speak into our lives. That was the point of number three, right? That we want to that we want to look to do mature believers confirm what I'm hearing. So I go and seek out their counsel. That's totally fine. That is totally fine. But you so you understand the difference. I hope I'm making myself clear with the difference. Seeking out counsel. One thing. Okay, you telling someone else, God told me to tell you that's a different thing. You need to be really careful. Let me give you a couple more thoughts on how how when when it is okay to how God can use you to speak into other people's lives. Okay, God can use you to confirm what he's already said to someone. So he can use us to confirm what he's already said. That they heard him correctly. You're saying something? Yes. And what I, in my experience, and the word of God says, and you try to confirm what God is really saying to that person. That's, that's one way to do it. Second, he often uses us without our knowledge. How many times in your life have you been in a situation where someone comes to you and says, gosh, remember a couple years ago, you were saying this in a Bible study, or we were talking at lunch, or you were doing this, or you were doing that, and you said this, or you, and, and it changed my life. Remember you said bing, 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 and they remembered clearly. And you're like, I, I, I don't remember any of that. You know, I'm not even sure I remember having a conversation at lunch with you. But all of a sudden what you said had a profound impact on their lives. God can use you to speak into someone else's life, even without your knowledge of being used by God. And the other one is that we got to make sure that we allow people to speak into our lives. OK, we got to allow them to speak into our lives if we make decisions that affect them. For example, I own a business. I feel like God is speaking to me to sell that business. But I have a partner. I have two partners in that business. I need to allow them to hear from God. Right. And then come to speak into my life because it's not just affecting me. It's affecting them as well. Those are some examples of how we can allow people to speak into our lives. OK, number six, does it convict or does it condemn? We've talked about this one a lot. OK, in the past, does it convict or does it condemn? Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. Condemnation comes from the devil. They are they are not the same thing. 
Conviction comes through the Holy Spirit. Condemnation comes from the devil. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, if you confess, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So if we confess our sin, when the Holy Spirit convicts us, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and he will forgive us of our sins. Okay, he will forgive us. If you still feel guilty after confessing your sin, that is called condemnation. That is not conviction. If the Holy Spirit convicts you and you ask for forgiveness for your sin, he's not then going to condemn you afterward and lay that guilt on you and make you keep walking around carrying the burden of guilt in your life. In Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10, it says this. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah for the accuser. Though that one that condemns the evil one, the, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, therefore, there is no condemnation. There is no condemnation, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit convicts me of my sin. I repent and I move on. This has confused people throughout history, even believers and so we need to know the difference because when you're getting a thought in your mind you're asking where is this thought coming from where is this thought coming from and so many christians feel condemned they think somehow god is the one speaking to them many christians suffer under condemnation thinking it's conviction they're not the same thing conviction is specific you did something and the holy spirit points out specifically what that is condemnation. OK, condemnation is general and it's vague. This you need to understand this condemnation is general and it's vague. If you feel guilty after you've asked God to forgive you. OK, that is condemnation. If it continues to linger, that is condemnation. Conviction has a definite solution. The Holy Spirit isn't playing games. The Holy Spirit will point out in your life what needs to change and give you the remedy on how you can change it. So he points out in your life, this is something that needs to stop in your life. You ask for forgiveness, then he gives, he gives you the remedy of how you can bring about that kind of change. You can get relief from the guilt. That's what the Holy Spirit does. With condemnation, there is no solution. You've asked for forgiveness and you ask for forgiveness and you ask for forgiveness. And that voice just keeps on telling you, yeah, but did God really forgive you? You know, he'll forgive these other Christians. But the only, what you did was so bad. What you did was so wrong. And if you were a Christian, you wouldn't have done that. And so you really probably really haven't confessed. And you get this constant beating and you're being beat down. That's condemnation. He doesn't want you to feel the freedom in Christ that we have. And so he has this condemnation. So there's there's no solution. And if a, if a solution is ever given in your head, it's usually wrong and creates more of a problem. Condemnation comes from the evil one, comes from the evil one. If you ever feel like I'm such a loser. I'm terrible. God doesn't love me. Um, I, I can't do anything right. Um, God will never use me. Oh, that's not from God. That is not God speaking to you. 
That is not the father speaking to his children. God doesn't speak that way. That is a lie from the pit of hell. That comes from Satan. Number seven. Does it bring peace from the Holy Spirit? Does it bring peace from the Holy Spirit? In 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 33, it says this. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. As in all the congregations of the Lord's people. Listen, if you feel pressured... If you feel overwhelmed, if you feel driven to make a major life decision in a short period of time, okay, that is not from God. If you feel overwhelmed, if you feel pressured, if you, if, for in a short period of time, if that's what you're feeling, if that's the impression you're getting, I got to make this decision in a short period of time, and you're feeling pressure, you're feeling overwhelmed, you need to question where that's coming from. That's not the way God communicates. Nowhere in the Bible does God tell someone, ask them to do something that's life-altering or life-changing, and tell them, do it right away. Right now, don't, don't think about it. There's no thoughts. Just move, 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 do it. Don't, no, don't, no questions. Just go, 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 go. God doesn't operate with that, that way. God is a God of patience. See, here's the thing. Satan drives us compulsively. Okay? Satan loves to drive us. He loves to drive us compulsively. Don't think. Don't think. You know what you feel. Act. Don't think about it. Just go with your feelings. And act upon your feelings. That's what Satan does. No thought. No, don't give any thought to it. You know, oh, your feelings are good. Your feelings are always good. Just go with your feelings. Just go with how you feel. Just act upon it. Compulsion, compulsion, compulsion. Those thoughts don't come from God. When the Holy Spirit speaks to you, think about this. What does the Holy Spirit say? Holy Spirit says, you've got a big decision to make. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stop. Are you taking deep breaths? Okay. I want you to, I want you to be still. Okay. Be still. I want, you to, I want you to be able to think. I want you to pray. Spend some time in prayer. Okay, I want you to seek out wise counsel. Once you've done those things, once we spend some time together, thought through, seeking out that wise counsel, doing all those things, then you can act upon that. That's how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit does not have, it's not a compulsion, it's not a, it's not a push, it's not a drive, it's not overwhelming, it's not, it, just take a deep breath. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. You were called to peace. And it says, and be thankful. When God speaks, it brings peace to our hearts if we follow what God is saying. When God speaks to us and we respond to what God is saying, that brings us peace. Thoughts that, listen, thoughts that produce fear and anxiety and worry and stress are produced either in your own mind or from Satan. God tells us, do not worry, right? Matthew, do not worry. Don't worry about tomorrow, what you will eat or what you will drink. Do not worry. Do not worry. God tells us not to worry. If we live in a state of fear, if we live in a state of constant worry, that is in contradiction to the word of God and does not come from God. Does that make sense? See, we're putting these principles together. The word of God says, do not worry. The word of God says, you know, perfect love drives out fear. If you're living a life of fear and worry and those thoughts are constantly coming into your mind, they're not coming from God. A sure sign that you have heard from God is when you have an, when you're going through something in your life and you feel this peace about it. 
You feel this tranquility. There, it, it, it transcends your understanding. Listen, in, in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7, it says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. A sure sign that you have heard from God is when you have peace in the middle, in the midst of a storm. When you have when you have this unexplainable peace and security in the midst of a storm. That's when you know. That you're hearing from God. That's how God works. That's how God works. And so again, Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We can all have that peace in our lives. We can all have that peace. But listen, first, first, we need to have a relationship with God. We need to have that personal, intimate relationship with God. We all want that kind of peace. We all want to hear from God. And if we want to hear from God, then we need to have a relationship with God. In John chapter 10 and verse 27, Jesus says, my sheep, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Listen to this verse, though. Okay, it's very challenging. Very challenging. John chapter 10 and verse 27. And then in John chapter 8 and verse 47, it says this. Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Some of the reason you can't hear God speaking is because in some of some of some people do not belong to God. They are a creation of God. They are not a child of God. They have not they have not said, God, I want you I want to be adopted into your family. They do not know God. The reason you can't hear God is because you don't belong to God. You don't know God. We have to have a personal relationship with the living God if we want to hear that God speak to us. If we want to hear our Father speak to us. So before we go into communion, we're going to take communion this morning. Before we go into communion, I want to give you an opportunity, maybe for the first time in your life, to enter into and have that relationship with God. In John three sixteen and 17, it says, it says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever will believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. But listen to what it says in verse 17 as well. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, it says that we can, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then we will be saved. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross. Why? Because we were separated from God. There was a chasm between us and God the Father. And God, the Father, sent Jesus into the world to die on a cross for us. Why? So that we could have a relationship with him. So we could enter into the Holy of Holies and be able to speak to him, personally speak to God. Have that relationship and speak to him. And on the cross, it was like Jesus holding one hand up to the Father and one hand down to us and bridging that gap, being the conduit. Being, being that, being the one, we can, in God, we can speak to the Father through Christ. He's given us that privilege. And I want to give you that privilege this morning. Some of you may not know Christ. And all this discussion of how can we hear God? We have more sermons coming on. How, how can we hear the voice of God? How do we know when God is speaking to us? The first step for some of you is you need to have a relationship with that God. So I want you to bow your heads with me.
And if it's your desire to have a relationship with God the Father, then I want you to pray this prayer with me. You can pray it in your own mind, in your own heart. The words aren't the magic. It is your heart and your desire to want to know God. That is what gives you the relationship with Him. But I want you to pray this simple prayer with me. Just pray it to yourself. I'll pray out loud. You pray it in your own mind. God, I want to hear your voice. I truly want to hear your voice. I know that I'm a sinner. I don't need a pastor or even a Bible to tell me that. I live my life. I know that I'm not living it for you. And I want to start. I want you from this day forward to guide my life. I do confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I want him to be the Lord of my life. I want him to be the director of my life. I want him to guide my life. I want you, Lord God, please to show me the purpose that you have for me. I need you to help me make this world make sense. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Show me your will. Show me your purpose. Show me the gifts that you have for me. That I could use them to serve you. I ask you to come into my heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning you prayed that prayer, then this is exciting if you prayed that prayer this morning because today is your spiritual birthday. And today is the first day that you'll be taking communion as a child of God. Having a relationship with God. Today is a a, write this date down. Okay, write it down. If you don't have a Bible, I'll get you a Bible. Come to me afterwards. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to come to me afterwards. Just let me know. I prayed that prayer this morning. I want to get you a Bible. And I wanted you to remember this day because this is your spiritual birthday and the first time you're taking communion as a follower of Jesus Christ. So we're going to be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23. It says this, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper... He took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we're going to take communion this morning. And the way we do this at Grace Chapel is that I'm going to pray for the bread and I'm going to pray for the cup. I'll pray for both of those. When I'm finished praying... You can get up from your seat. The tables are all set up back here. You you don't have to wait for anyone else. You can just get up as the Spirit leads you. Go take the bread. Go take the cup. You can sit back down. You can come up here and you can kneel wherever the Holy Spirit leads you to do. You don't have to wait for everyone else to eat of the bread or drink of the cup. As the Spirit leads, pray. Spend some time in prayer and allow the Spirit to lead you. And then take of the bread and take of the cup. Let's bow our heads. 
Father God, thank you for this time that we can spend together. And thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have to come before you and spend this time in worship. Spend this time in communion. Thinking about who you are and what you've done for every single one of us. We thank you for the bread, which represents your body, which was given for us, sacrificed for us. Father, we pray that we would offer up our bodies as living sacrifices to you, holy and pleasing to you. May this be our spiritual act of worship even this morning. We thank you for the cup, which represents your blood, which covers us, covers all of our sin. It washed away all of our sin. Lord God, thank you for that, for that blessing that we can enter into the Holy of Holies. We can have a personal, intimate relationship with the living God because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. Father, we thank you for those who have given their lives to you this morning in first service and now in this service. We pray, dear God, that they would understand the old has gone. The new has come. They are a new creation. They are born again. They are your child. They've been adopted into your family. We celebrate that reality. And we pray, dear God, as we take communion together, that we would celebrate the reality of who you are, that we would lay aside, if we've been living mediocre lives, if we've not been living for you, if we've been walking away, if we've been wandering away, Lord, that you would bring us back, that we would confess that sin to you this morning, that we would take communion, that we would be renewed and refreshed, and we walk out of here different people than when we came in because of what your son, Jesus Christ, has done for each one of us. Convict us if it's necessary. We will confess to you. You will forgive us. And then we will walk away as white as snow. We love you and we praise you for this time that we can spend in communion. In Jesus' name, amen. We humbly come before you and we praise you. Because you are Lord of all. Pray that you would draw us closer to yourself. And as we are drawn closer to you, that we would hear you clearly. Father, there's nothing more important in this life than to hear from you. To hear you speak to our hearts. To tell us how we should live and what we should do. What you desire of us. So I pray, Lord God, that we would apply these principles to our life. I pray, dear God, that we would hold on to your word as we continue to go through this series that we would we would desire. We would we would just ache to learn more about how we can connect and commune and listen to you, our God. We love you. We praise you for this time that we can spend together as a family. And we ask, dear God, that you would speak to this family that you would speak to us in a loud and clear voice or a soft and gentle voice. We trust you. Use us, we pray, in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Have a great week.